Okay, so on a list with hot dogs, I'm not a fan of 1% milk. <laughs> it just seems like whitewashed water to me. I'm sorry if you drink it. We had it one time only because we purchased it by accident. It was not on purpose. Uh, there it was, and we got it and poured it. What is this stuff? You know, um, it's, Ginny and I used to buy 2% milk. It's only slightly better than 1%. You know, by 1%, it's better. Uh, the, uh, and then I kind of got dissatisfied with that. It's not, like, um, it's not like real milk, as I was thinking about it. Now we buy whole milk, which is really a misnomer in itself, actually. Um, it seems that whole milk would be right from what comes straight out of the cow, you know, the whole thing. What we have is whole milk in the grocery store is really just partially partial milk with some of this milk stuff re removed, you know, the, some of it say the best part, the heavy cream. When I was a kid, uh, once in a while, my mom would buy half and half. I think it was for a recipe. I'd not looked up the ingredients. I assume that's half milk and half cream. I really don't know. But what I do know is I used it on my cereal one time because when I went to the refrigerator, there was no milk. We were out of milk, and there was this cream. So I used the half and half on my cereal. Oh, let me tell you, what a wonderful thing. There isn't a much better breakfast in my mind and in my memory than too much sugar sprinkled on top of cornflakes floating in a bowl of half and half. It is, it's just good stuff. I mean, it is, it's one of my fond memories. Now, I am not really sure I could take milk right out of the cow. I know some of you have, um, you know, when it's not processed. In fact, the thought of it makes me gag a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I, I know you, you loved it as a kid, but I did not grow up next to old McDonald. I grew up next to Frank Kovac, and he was a house painter. So, you know, there was, it was just a whole different thing. I was thinking about this as I was thinking about Sundays because what you get on a, on a Sunday sermon generally has gone through a process similar to processing milk. Uh, you know, the, I hope what I share on Sundays is better than 1% whitewashed, uh, something to look like a sermon. Um, but I, I always try to share what um, I think God would have me to say and what you know, he wants you to hear. Um, you know, but what you hear has gone through a process. Uh, today, I'm going a little bit more toward half and half. Now, for some of you, that will gag you, and for others, uh, I hope it, uh, overall it's a, it's a better help. What I want you to see is I want you to better connect on how what I'm sharing from up here comes from the Word of God. So what I'm going to do is share with you a little bit of how I process to get to what you see, usually what you see uh, up front. I hope it helps you to get more out of the message, um, but I hope it... It's what the, <clears throat> one of the benefits I hope that comes from this is that it might help you to get more out of the Bible, out of the Word of God as you read it for yourself. That maybe some of what I'm sharing and how I go about it, what I'm going to do really is, is what, what I'm putting up there is kind of a demonstration of the process I go through when I study Scripture uh, anytime and where it becomes, it's, sometimes it eventually becomes a sermon. I was reading, well, actually, I'm reading ahead in Philippians. You know, we're starting a study in Philippians today, and I've been reading ahead. I read the third chapter this morning, 
And what I did this morning before I came to church was some of the same things I'm going to show you what I was doing in thinking through this sermon um, that we're going to look at today. So I hope the process is something that helps you a little bit. Let me pray as we get into this uh, just a little bit more here. Father, thank you for a time to be able to share your word and your truth and to be able to get together. Now, this is really just a continuation because uh, we've had that in Sunday school already as so many have have shared with the kids with the adults and they have shared already what what is there in your word and in your truth and we're just continuing now to do that i ask that you would help this to be a time which would benefit your kingdom it really seems odd that we have that opportunity and we have that privilege i think it's a true statement that we as I read scripture, could benefit your kingdom in some strange sense. When we walk in obedience to you, when we learn and understand, when we give glory and honor to you, so use this time toward that end, that we will be a little bit more yours, a little bit more solidly yours, I guess, because of our time together. And this I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. What I'm going to do is read in uh, stops and stutters because when I'm reading through as I study for a sermon, um, well, I, I, I do read it through once and then I, I go back and I start reading with stops and stutters. But really when I even try to read through it the once, uh, the first time, I end up stopping and, and jotting some things down and looking at it. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. It's page 1080 in the Pew Bible. Uh, so if you want to turn there or however it is that you uh, look up the scriptures that you would do that. Now, as we're going through this, you know, it's going to be up on the screen, but you'll see why in a minute. It says, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Now, as I was reading this, first thing stuck out to me was what he says, slaves of Christ Jesus. You see, because th- this is an outlook here. It's an outlook of service and dedication. When he is saying this, he is laying out there right there at the beginning for them that what he is starting with them, he is starting from this whole outlook of service and dedication. When he uses the word slave, the word slave means a a bondman. That's what this word means, a bondman. One who gives himself to another's will. In this case, it's it's in advancing, it's advancing the cause of Christ among men. So you have a, a choice here. It's a choice of devotion and direction for life. It's both of those things. He is choosing, you know, he is, is choosing and stating not only his devotion, but the direction that it's setting for his life. So what's your direction in your life? Where are you headed? For whose will are you living? You see, I think we need to answer these questions and we look at it. For Paul and Timothy here, it was Christ Jesus. This was where they started. This is where they're beginning for their motivation. And it's also where they were headed. You see, this is what motivated them, but it's also the direction in which they were going. These all flowed together for them. For us, we can't ignore this. We are making decisions every day. Many times a day you are making decisions of who you are living for, of who you are serving. You make those decisions many times a day. 
in the way you respond to people, in the choices you make of where you're going, what you're doing, what you do or don't watch on TV, what you do or don't read. You are making these decisions of who it is you're serving for who it is you're living. And the answer to these questions, really, they color what we see and how we view life. So here is where I got my first point in your outline. My choice of who I am serving in life colors how I see God working. Those choices that I make, those choices that I, that I make of who I'm going to serve, it colors how I see everything. It colors how I see God working, and, or maybe sometimes how I overlook God working. Now, everything Paul writes in his letters, uh, you know, this one certainly, but in all of his letters, this one in particular that we're looking at, everything here flows from this relationship that he has with God as a slave for Jesus Christ. So everything else that he says is flowing from this relationship right here. It's coming from that. You know, we don't like to think of ourselves as slaves. We, we, we just don't like that. But we need to realize we're serving something or someone. You are serving something or someone. You may not think of yourself as a slave, but you are living that way. You might be serving yourself, you know, you know, you might be serving whatever those choices are, whatever, whoever we are a slave to, it colors, influences, directs our view, and thus our actions on everything. If what we're serving is ourself, <coughs> then that begins to color all of our decisions. We do decisions then that will make us happy, at least for the moment. And we begin to do that. Now he goes on. We need to move along. He says, To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. I kind of found that interesting that he separated the overseers and deacons from the saints. But anyway, all the saints who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that word saints there, it simply means sanctified holy ones we don't like to think of ourselves as saints because we think of saints in you know a lot of a lot of different ways and a lot of different things go through our minds when you know when we think about saints but this is the way scripture refers to us you know that those who are sanctified set apart for god you know and 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 cleansed made made pure and holy by god you know those holy ones this is what he's talking about, uh, you know, when he says those things there. And he says grace and peace. Those two just stuck out to me. Grace, God's grace brings peace, you see. It is God's grace that brings that peace. And notice, it's from God. It is God's peace. We have grace and peace. It flows, it, it, you know, they, they flow together, but they all come from God. And he, he calls them here, he says, our Father. This indicates a relationship. He calls them our Father. It indicates a relationship here. If we look for peace, you know, of or from circumstances, we will be continually and repeatedly frustrated and upset. If you look for, if you look for this peace from any other source than but from God, the best you will have is temporary calmness. You won't have that peace that can take you through any of the challenges and circumstances of life. You will continue to be upset. The only peace that lasts through every circumstance is from God's grace. 
That's the only, and it only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only lasting peace. It comes from God. And that's how we can have peace in the midst of a storm. That doesn't mean that you don't get upset. That doesn't even mean that you, you know, you, you don't lose that peace sometimes. What it means is that even though you, you may get bowled over just a little bit, you, you gotta get upright. I don't know if you saw in the news, I think it was this week, they had a, a, a report on about this, uh, one of these, I don't know how they call them, these huge ocean liner cruise ship things. It's got like 12 decks sticking up or something and it says it got hit by a side wind that they said was like 115 miles an hour. And I thought, Tammy, I'm glad you love cruises, but this is one of the reasons I'm not going out on those boats. Uh, you know, and it says, and it, and it listed, well, why don't they just say it tipped? Uh, you know, so it, it, and it talked about all these injuries and stuff, and then they had, they had these, you know, they had these, uh, videos that some of the people shot. Well, of course it looks upright, it just looks, it, it, look, it looks a little poltergeistish, because it's upright, and the furniture's moving. Well, really, the whole ship is tipping, you know, but, but, Every once in a while we might get hit by something, but that, that might knock, that, that might knock us for a loop a little bit, you see, but, but when we have this relationship to God, then, you see, we, we can get right back, we can get back up again. This is the peace, this is, this is the relationship, you know, this is the relationship that he's talking about, is that relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, you, you, you may get upset, you may lose that peace, but you know what, you, you, you get to come back. You get to come back to that again because it's not dependent upon the circumstances. The circumstances may knock you for a loop a little bit, but when it's rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, then it comes back. You know, you come back right up. You know, it, 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 it's, you know we can get peace in the midst of, of trying even very troubling, even devastating circumstances. And we can have peace in the midst of those when our peace comes from and is based on God and God's grace. When it's based on our relationship to God and His grace. Verse 3, let's move on. It says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I like this phrase, you know, for every remembrance of you. I couldn't put a box around it because uh, it just takes too much time when it's not on the same line. Yeah, but anyway, I, 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 when I have this mental list, really, of, of people that every remembrance of them brings gratitude to me. You know, um, you have one, too. You know, you, you may not realize it, but you have one, too. You, you, you have this list. My family is on that list, certainly along with many of you, you know, and you were on that mental list. Now, it's not that we've never had any disagreements or differing of opinions, you know, and sometimes it takes me a little while to get Jenny straightened out, but uh, the, um, the pulpit in the bedroom helps. The, uh, she starts mouthing off. I just, I just get the pulpit out at the end of the bed. And anyway, um, you know, it, but again, it's not, that, it's not that we don't ever have disagreements or differing opinions, but what this means is, is, you know, I have this list of people, every remembrance brings, there's no barriers. There's no barriers between me and them. You know, they're, they're, they're all gone. There's nothing, there's nothing that hinders me from being thankful that they're in my life. Nothing hinders that at all. 
We all have people we could put on a list like this. And I will tell you something. The better you are at forgiving people and the better you are at valuing people, the longer your list will be. When you get better at forgiving, when you get better at valuing, the longer your list will be. Notice what else it says here. He says, you know, that I'm always praying with joy for you. This has been a particular reality for me this year, and here's why. If you recall the first uh, couple Sundays, because some of you were missing the first, so I repeated it second, and I asked you to give me, just to, to drop in a slip of paper that had three things on it. Your name, something you were thankful for in 2018, and something that you were looking forward to or, or uh, praying for in 2019. And so I've been praying with, I've been praying through those every week I pray through those. I have the whole list and it's all, you know, all of the slips that you guys turned in, it's stapled together. And I've been praying for you with these things. And one of the great things is to be able to pray with joy for those answers. For those things that you're rejoicing in. And for what's coming. You know, and he says, I, I pray, you know, I pray for joy you know i I always remember you always praying with joy for you this brings us to our next point always praying with joy that's making a choice with your outlook it's making a choice of how you look at and think about people and how you look at and think about people affects how you see god working You see, how you look at people and how you think about people affects how you see God working. And if you look at someone and you think they're a jerk, you're never going to see God work in their life. Well, seldom. Maybe never is too strong a word. But you'll never see it. Just a thought for you. You How we look at people, how we think about people, this is one of the things that I've, you know, I, I... Still try to work on when I'm driving, how I think about the other drivers. Uh, you know, and it's, you know, the, the, the whole reality of how we think about it, that it reflects of how we see God working or don't. This ties right in with verse 7. It's not on your screen yet, but if you have your Bible open, you can see it. You know, he says, it's right for me to think this way about all of you. You know, this is, it's right for me to do this, to think this way, he says. Your view of people will affect how well you see God working. It will affect how well you see God working. How well you see God working will help you to rejoice. Verse 6 says, verse 6, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Did you notice that word started? Started means we are not complete yet. Oh, I don't know about you. That brings great comfort to me. We are not complete yet. Neither is that other person that irritates you. They're not complete yet either. They used to have a bumper sticker. It had all these initials that I'm not going to remember the initials. But, you know, please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. So there's all these initials, you know, and you're supposed to ask, what in the world does that mean? Well, it means please be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. Um, you know, and uh, it, but, but it's true. It's true. God isn't finished with me yet. What's not true is don't use it as an excuse for being a dope. Just a thought for you there. You know, you can have that bumper. I don't know if any of you have that bumper sticker on your car, but if you do, don't use it as an excuse. Uh, you know, we're not complete yet. We have not yet fully embraced all that God has for us. We just haven't. We have not fully embraced all he has for us. He still has more for us. Now, here's what you need to understand. God will not quit on you. He will not quit on you. He will not walk out on you. 
God will always be here to help us grow in him right up until the end. Did you see that phrase? Until the day of Christ Jesus. He started something, he will work, and he will keep going until the day of... I get tired of things sometimes, and I kind of quit. I have unfinished projects. I was uh, telling somebody yesterday, I, I, uh, you know, been working through. I got to the place where, uh, you know, I've been making a bed for Luke for months. And I'm actually, you know, to the point now where I, I'm painting. I think it was Dean I was telling it. Um, but that, that, then when I'm done with this, what I'm going to go back to is something that I started over two years ago. I know it was over two years ago because it's when we still lived in a parsonage and I ran my finger into the saw while I was um, working on these treasure boxes for the girls. Well, I'm going to go back and finish it. You see, we get tired and we kind of lay some things aside. And I'm sure I'm going to die with some unfinished projects. Peter will have to finish them. See, now you're on the hook. Uh, you know, so you know the whole thing. What we need to realize, you know, he says he started this, and it's going to go until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, he's not going to quit. That means that it is always too soon for us to quit. As long as you are breathing, as long as you are breathing, it is always too soon for you to quit. It's too soon for you to give up. It's too soon for you to quit telling this, this person who's constantly rejected, you know, what you had to tell them about Jesus Christ. And it's too soon to quit telling, as long as you have breath. You know, when someone with a relationship with Jesus stops growing or worse, turns away from God, it is not God who's changed. It is not God who has moved away. It is not God who has quit. He is going to continue, it says, until the, until the day of Christ Jesus. Now we may have days when we're discouraged, you know, and days when we're down, and we may have even walked away from God and chosen sin. But you know the neat thing? He is ready and willing and more than able to help us get back on our feet again. Make no mistake. God will not help you sin. Do you understand that? God will not help you sin. He is not going to help you destroy yourself. He is not going to help you walk away from him. He is not going to help you tear others down. He is not going to help you do that. But he will always, always help you set that sin aside. And it may be a struggle and it may be a battle, but you are not on your own in it. He is always there ready to help you. He wants you to grow. He wants you to mature. He wants you to be able to leave sin behind and to walk and live more fully alive in Him. And that's our next point. If you want to see God working, continue to work on growing and maturing in your relationship with Jesus, and you will see God working. You will see Him working when you, when you continue to work on growing. When you continue to work on maturing, you will see God working. Learn more about God and the things of God. Commit yourself to that. You do that by learning more of and about his word. You, you need to, you, I was in the membership class downstairs, I was, one of the things I mentioned to them is you need to be reading the Bible more, your Bible needs to be open more than just when you're here. On Sunday morning, because the preacher says, turn the book, page, whatever it is. You need to open it and you need to read it. You need to, you're never going to know it if you don't read it. 
You need to get in there. You need to understand it. You need well, you say, well, I can't understand it. Well, you're never going to understand it if you don't read it. You need to start reading it and learn more of his word. Learn more about his word. So get a study Bible that has little notes. Just remember the notes aren't inspired. You know, just remember that. It's the word of God that's inspired. You know, use a devotional. The devotional is not inspired. It's the word of God. If it helps you understand the word of God, that's great. You know, but you, you know, learn more. And, and, you know, you learn more about God through regularly praying. That's, you know, talking with God and listening to Him. Regularly. Not just when you're in trouble. Not just when you need something. Not just when, you know, the toilet backed up. Not just when you do it regularly. Praying. That conversation with God. You know, well, how do you hear from God? Part of it's by reading His Word. More than once, and I know I'm not the only one, you've been praying about something and you open the Bible and, you know, you're reading and all of a sudden, what do you know? This just happened to be what I was praying about. You know, and, and you, you, you learn and you, you pray regularly with Him. You know, and you, you also grow by spending time with others who have a relationship with God and want to grow. You learn, you, you learn by watching other people. You know, you learn by watching other people and seeing what they do and seeing how they do things. Have you ever heard of an apprenticeship? You know, back in the day when they used to push trades a little more, and they will again one day because they haven't enough, but at any rate, um, they had an apprenticeship. And an apprentice worked alongside a journeyman so he could show him what to do. So the guy who knew what to do could show this, could show this guy, you know, uh, this apprentice electrician how to, how to hook up a wire without killing himself. Good point to know. You know, so, so the, so this guy, you know, working a computer can, can show him, you know, what it is he needs to do, what he needs, how he needs to be able to do this. Same thing, like, you know, learning a musical instrument. And they, they show you, you know, put your fingers here, put your fingers there, you know, and do this and that. And then, you know, the clarinet stops sounding like you're strangling a goose after a couple of years. Yeah. It, it, you know, there's this whole thing. So put yourself in that place. And you, you grow and mature by serving, using the gifts, the talents, the personalities, and the knowledge that God has always given, that God has already given you. Experience is a great teacher. When I learned welding, I learned welding from a guy who was a pipe fitter. And he was working at our, uh, at the shop I was working at. And he was working there during the winter when he was laid off from being a union pipe fitter. And, uh, so he knew he was going to be leaving in the spring. And he said to me one day, he said, Pat, you could do this. He says, you want to learn how to weld? I said, yeah, sure. So he started showing me. Yeah, and, and we worked, you know, worked along with him for a while. And when it came time for him to leave, he told the boss in front, he said, Pat can do this. Well, it just so happened that they also had a, a guy, um, I forget his first name, McGinnis was his last name. He had a, a business, McGinnis Welding. He was a, a, welder, a retired welding instructor from the U.S. Navy. This guy knew his stuff. 
and he had a welding company. And they were walking him through and they told him, you know, they told him about me. And he came over and he talked to me and he said, I'm teaching a class over at the community college. He said, why don't you come by tonight? I said, okay. So I did. I went over to that class and when we're in there, he says to everybody, he, you know, he gives us a book. And he says, I want you to find in that book how to strike an arc. When you do, come and talk to me. I already knew how to strike an arc. He wanted me to find it in the book. And it took me a little while. I found it in the book. I went up and showed him. Good, he says. He closed the book, set it aside. He said, go well. And he went over there and he struck the arc. Why? Because he knew this guy who taught welding in the, you know, in the United States Navy, a welding instructor, and he knew that the way that they were going to learn was by beginning to do it and beginning to make some mistakes and to be able to learn from those mistakes. You see, and this is how one of the ways you're going to grow and mature in Christ is to begin to do it, to begin to live for him, begin to use those gifts, those talents, those abilities, the personality he's given you. He's given you a personality that can reach people that I'll never reach. And he's given me a personality that will reach some people. But, you know, the whole, the whole point there is, you know, maturing and growing in Christ, it's an investment. It's an investment of energy, effort, and time. It is not automatic like physical maturing. You know, you, you're going to get older. I hate to break this to you. You're going to get older. You're going to, you know, you're going to get maybe grayer. I'm just guessing you will. And here, here's an interesting fact for you, too. Um, your ears, nose, and feet are going to keep growing. <laughs> isn't that grand? Yeah, isn't that great? What a wonderful thing. The three things I wanted to keep growing on me was my ears, my nose, and my feet. For pity's sake, I already started out large. Uh, yeah, but you see, you, you, those things kind of happen automatically. But you know what? Learning to be a nice person doesn't happen automatically. Learning how to reach out and love your neighbor doesn't happen automatically. Learning how to speak nicely to someone doesn't happen automatically. Learning how to tell someone about Jesus, learning to tell someone about Jesus Christ doesn't happen automatically. You have to put in the effort, energy, the time. You have to do those things if you, if you want to be able to grow and mature. Verse 7, let's go on. He says, it's right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in this grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and the establishment of the gospel. You see it right there in the middle. You're all partners with me. In Christ, we have a connection with all of those who are in a relationship with Christ. And that connection, that connection will help us to see God working. Verse 8. He says, for God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment. That your love will keep on growing. Our love will keep on growing in knowledge. What a great thing. What a great thing. When I first met Ginny, I was attracted to her looks. And very quickly attracted to her personality. You know, those, those things just, just really clicked with me right there. As I spent more time with her, my feelings for her began to grow and they began to deepen. Now, after 40 some years, it'll be 45 years that we're married this year, you know, we hung out a couple of years before that. You know, after all this, I am still attracted to her looks and personality, but my love for her is much deeper than that now. 
know, now it's that knowledge that I've gained about her over the years. It has only caused me to love her more fully and I hope more completely. Here's our point. Our love for God and his people continues to grow as we see more of God working. This is never a stagnant endeavor. It is never a stagnant endeavor. You know, but it, it doesn't stop there. You know, this is not an increase of those kumbaya moments. And as I wrote that down, I realized there's only, you know, those who are my age and older who realize what a kumbaya moment is. Uh, you know, this is, this is not, you know, this is, this is, this is not just an increase of those, hey, we're having a great time moments. You know, that, that's not what it is. Notice what he says. We also grow in every kind of discernment. This is not simply, this is, this is not simply your likes and dislikes. In fact, it is so much more, it's so much beyond your likes and dislikes. You know, this is a better, a better understanding the heart of God, particularly the heart of God for all people. You know, we more and more see people as needing Jesus instead of seeing them as irritating. And when I drive now, I'm going to start pointing out to Jenny, he needs Jesus. I, you know, but the, you know, the, the, the whole point, discernment, discernment is a word that means perception by the senses and the intellect. Perception by the senses and the intellect. So it's not simply what you sense, it's also what you know. But it is also not simply what you know but also the senses that you are getting. You ever been in that situation where somebody's talking about something and you're saying, this just doesn't feel right. Something's not right here. You know, discernment we're talking about here, it's spiritual discernment, you know, and responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That's what I, th- I think he leads into in verse 10. He says, so that you can prove the things that are superior and can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through uh, Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That word superior there, in some translations, it's, it's translated in other words, you know, excellent. The word means excellent, best, to excel, to be better. That's what it means. Here's our problem. We get pretty consumed by things that really don't matter. We get consumed by things that really don't matter. Let me ask you real quick. What were you consumed about five years ago? March of, uh, of, 20, in, uh, March of 2014, what were you consumed about? You probably don't even know. What were you consumed about one year ago? See, most of these things we don't, we, don't, we don't even remember. Those things that you're consumed about today, ask yourself, in five years, will this even matter? In one year, will this even matter? We get consumed by all of these things that don't really matter. It'll help you gain some perspective. You know, it, it, is this going to matter, you know, in five years? You know, our opinion of what, of what really matters, of what's superior, excellent, best, it changes as we grow older. When we were younger, we thought making a lot of money was, you know, what really mattered. Or getting a house really mattered. You know, or getting a spouse really mattered. You know, our thoughts about, about what is excellent will change as we see God working. 
As we see him working, our thoughts about what's excellent will change, and our thoughts about what is best, it should be sharpened and refined by our ears with Jesus. Those things on what we think is, 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 you know, is best. It should be refined by our time with Jesus. You know, and as we're sharpened, as we refi- as we're refined, what is pure and blameless takes on a higher priority in all we do. That word pure here, it means, it means unmixed substances. That's what the word means. It's, it's of unmixed substances. Uh, they, they used it in, in refining processes to get the junk out. Uh, this is what, you know, you become pure as you remove the impurities. You know, as you remove those impurities and, and you protect it, you guard it so the impurities don't come in. And blameless, he says. Blameless, it means nothing to strike against. That's what the word means, nothing to strike against. It means that they have nothing they can knock you for. Nothing they can hit you on. You're a Christian, yeah, but look at, you know, whatever, fill in the blank there. Sometimes they may misunderstand. Sometimes they may put their finger right on something God wants us to pay more attention to. So here's our point. When you live pure and blameless because of your relationship to God, you will see God working. When you live pure and blameless because of your relationship to God, you will see God working. Verse 11 there, he says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. As you see God working, you will rejoice. For four and a half years now, I've been writing down at least three things every day that I'm thankful for. Some from, you know, very simple to most profound. One of the things I wrote down about yesterday was I I got to see all my Fort Wayne family. I got got to see all of them. You know, we were all all at Luke's basketball game together. And, you know, so I I got to see that. That's one of the things that went on my list, you know. But other things that go on my list, you know, uh, uh, well, day before, uh, my sister had a scan on Thursday, met with the doctor on Friday, and um, the doctor looks at it and he says, this is, he says, this is just, it's incomplete. He said, um, they didn't compare this with the other one, like they said, and then he went on and he said, this one doesn't show anything. It doesn't show any of the nodules or stuff. Did you catch that? He's going to go back and do that comparison. He's going to go, man, he's going to go back and do that comparison. But, you know, he said um, he doesn't see any evidence at this point. He doesn't see any evidence of the cancer. That went on my list. It's just, it's been a help for me. It's helped me, you know, to see uh, and be more aware of God at work. And as you see God working, as you see him working, you will rejoice. 